Welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zock. Today, we're going to fix the way you play a match. Not necessarily how you compete within that match, but how the match is determined. Joining me today is Mr. Martin Putterman, Professor Emeritus at the Sauter School of Business at the University of British Columbia. Recently, Mr. Putterman teamed up with Timothy Chan and David Madras from the University of Toronto to find out if there's a way to make match play fair, because in their eyes, it's currently unfair. They conducted a study and are in the works of publishing the report, so we're going to lean on them right now to explain it all. Spoiler alert, they've got a practical solution. So, without further ado, I will welcome in Martin Putterman. Martin, thank you for joining me. I look at your history of your career, and you teach many classes and have done plenty of research that revolves around healthcare. So why did you start thinking about match play? During my research career, I've been a mathematician, and then I wanted to apply math to make things more useful and relevant. And, it, and as a kid, I was always a really avid sports fan and kept statistics and data and tried to use it to understand strategy. But over the past few years, I've been playing golf quite a bit and um, it saw it as a natural area to uh, apply these types of thinking. Now, you partner with uh, Timothy Chan and David Madras in the process of doing all of your, your research and the report. Are they both also into golf, or are they not, not big golf fans? Ne- actually, neither are. Um, Tim is an, is, an avid, is an avid sports fan and is very interested in a field called sports analytics and is a prof at University of Toronto and has worked on a wide range of things, including coming up with a handicap system for uh, tennis. And as well, uh, David, Dave's interested in sports, but not in golf, and he has the excellent computer skills to enable us to do a lot of the computation to underlie this work. Man, I imagine the tennis handicap is even more difficult to, uh, to come up with than a golf one. It's a neat idea, actually. The question he asked was, at what point should you use should you use extra shots if somebody's giving you some extra points along the way? So it's it's sort of a line of what we're doing a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Now there was there was previous research done on match play in golf, um, on the idea of handicap, stroke allocation, etc. But you were inspired to kind of take it a step further. What inspired you to take that extra step? Well, I've always been curious while I play golf with my friends and play in informal matches on whether the hole we assign the shot the shots to makes a difference. Because when you look at the handicap ranking for our course, it doesn't seem to correspond to anything that makes sense to me. Yeah. So the question I really wanted to address was, should we... Play, should we play off full handicap, or should should we play off off the, off the low handicapper? And and on what hole should handicap strokes actually be be awarded? Yeah, it's it's a a question that can fascinate anyone who wanted to break down the idea of match play into hole by hole. Because you approach the match, you know you've got eighteen, seventeen, sixteen, or fifteen generally holes in front of you, and this is based off the premise of how match play is conventionally organized. That being, if, say, a 15 handicap plays an 8 handicap, well, the 15 handicap player, he'll get a stroke on the seven most difficult holes at that golf course, which has been decided by 
that golf course. And yeah. that, that is, in your research, statistically unfair. Without jumping all the way into the explanation of why, tell me which handicaps were benefiting most from this design. I want, I want to say two things there. First, um, we, you mentioned that the, that the strokes would be given on the seven hardest or eight hardest holes. And in fact, what we found is that the whole, whole handicaps, as determined by the golf course, don't correspond to the most difficult holes which sort of throws that whole question out. And the other question you asked about which handicaps it made the most difference on, we found that when handicap was one or two, the difference was about 50 to 52%. But when the handicaps ranged between about four or five up to about 12, it could be as much as 55% in favor of the better player. And that's so it was yeah. in the range that would be pretty common. That was somebody who would be four to eight strokes difference. And in and say in a club tournament, that could really make a lot of difference. Oh, it totally can. It definitely can. You conducted this study at Shaughnessy Golf and Country Club. That's in Vancouver, Canada. Eventually right. you get to the point where you simulate over seventy three thousand matches. And within that you, you have um, handicaps ranging from plus two all the way up to 35. Eventually, you find that 53.1% of matches favored the player or won, were won by the player with a lower handicap. Now, some people would say, well, that's really close to 50%, and uh, that doesn't seem as significant. And what would you say to those people? The difference is that and when you say that the win- that the winning probability is is 53.1%, it also means the losing probability is about is 47%, or the difference is about 6%. So that in six out of 100 matches, the higher ha- the lower handicapper would have a ben- would have a benefit. So when you think on that basis of 100 matches or over a whole season or over a career, that can make a lot of difference. Oh, totally. there's money on the line. Totally, especially with money on the line. With that in mind, I'm glad that uh, within, within your draft, you, you point out that that number uh, is actually greater than the typical house edge at casinos. And I think that that probably resonates with people more that if you, are, if you won't gamble due to the odds at a casino being against you, it would be hypocritical to play match play in the, the way that it's been conventionally played. Yeah, especially, and the odds are even much, much worse when you uh, look at typical matches, which might be four to eight strokes difference in handicap. Mm-hmm. Now, let's, let's dive into to the research, to your report. You set out with, when you found that 53.1% number, you set out to make match play fair, and you thought up three options. The first option was reordering the holes. And this is kind of coming from your original inspiration to do the research. And you said it earlier, course-designed handicap holes are not exactly the most accurate. And how did you find out that they weren't exactly accurate? Well, what we did is over this, um, I think over close to 400 rounds of golf, what we did is we looked at the hole-by-hole scores and looked at how at at what the range of scores was above par. And if we rank those, we found that in general, the uh, par four seemed to be most difficult, then the par threes, then the par fives. And as 
all of you know, all of the most players know, the par fives tend to get ranked much harder than that. Mm-hmm. So the par fives tended to be overranked in difficulty, and the par threes underranked in difficulty. And then within those rankings, the orders weren't quite correct anyway. Now this is going to vary, I'm sure, based off the the handicaps uh, of various players. Maybe your 25 handicap struggles more on par threes than they than they would on par fives, and maybe it's exactly the opposite. But this is certainly something that one of my coworkers is really big on this because he plays near a scratch and he plays against a lot of us who are average handicappers anywhere from eight to 18. And one of his biggest qualms is that par fives are rated much more difficult than par threes. Is there any validity to why he is upset about par fives being more difficult than par threes in regards to the course designated handicaps? There's another way of thinking about this is which holes distinguish low and high handicappers the most. And when we looked at that order, we found that some of the par fives really made a difference. In fact, the first hole at Shaughnessy, which the pros play as a par four, we amateurs play as a par five. And the low handicapper will typically get a four on that hole. So this hole hole one is not the number one handicap hole. In fact, it's, it's way down the rank of handicap holes. I think what you're as a scratch golfer said, it might not be correct. The holes that make the most difference aren't the ones that are, are necessarily the hardest handicap holes or the par fives. You took it a little bit further with reordering the holes. You used the scores posted on these holes to decide what you thought was most difficult, but you also looked at players' handicaps and saw how, they, uh, how their specific skill level translated to their performance on certain holes, and you found that the order... Uh, of the holes, it only matters slightly, if at all. Is that right? There's a, a table we, we created in, in, the, um, in the paper that couldn't really be created in, in real life and because we were able to play games over and over and over again using the computer and under different types of orderings. What we found is now that if you use the current handicap system of playing off the low handicapper, then the probability that the low handicapper wins ranged from 49.6% to 53.1%. So there was a range of about 4% in, in difference in winning probabilities depending on the whole order. But if we instead used a cumulative handicap or gave each player his or her full handicap before playing, the range was at most 1%. So by playing off full handicaps, the, the range between the different outcomes under whole orders was much less. So eventually you kind of, you took a little bit of variability out by, by making sure players play their full handicap. You made the, the, the range or the fairness a little bit more robust. Can you, can you briefly explain why a full handicap theory, what it is actually? Everybody knows when they play uh, in, in a tournament, they get their full handicap. So if my handicap is 14, I get 14 strokes, and it, it doesn't matter where it's applied. In match play, those 14 strokes would be applied to the 14, quote, hardest holes or to the 1 to 14 handicap. If my competitor was a 18 handicap, 
his or her strokes would be applied to, he'd get one stroke on every hole. So we would only differ on holes 15, 16, 17, and 18 in the handicap ranking. And those tend to be holes that might distinguish us a bit more than the number one handicap hole, which both of us will have a hard time with at our handicap level. To help explain why this option proved to be legitimate in your research, can you explain why what it, the difference was in terms of the numbers between a full handicap theory and then the typical handicap differential? Just because I guess from what I, from the examples that I used, if you have a 15 handicap and an 8 handicap, you end up taking the middle seven holes? Exactly. It moves the holes you're going to get handicaps on. And there's probably on, mo on most golf courses a range of holes of more or less equal difficulty. And those tend to be the holes that are maybe rated by the course's handicap 10 to 18. But clearly when you talk about like handicap holes one to four those are hard holes in general and, and you know when you look at your scorecard you get to the number one handicap this is going to be a hard hole and it's going to be the most challenging hole on the course most golfers will have trouble with that depending on regardless of the handicap range but on the other holes they, they become holes that really distinguish players a bit more i believe when you look at doing the report at Shaughnessy, do you have any qualms with only using one golf course? Did you feel like you like like that doesn't matter? I think what we found, because there's over so many rounds, is true. But we we're not completely happy with the study at this point because we'd love to see it applied to other golf courses. We're in the in the process of getting other data to test it out. But we think the findings make sense, so they, they sort of go along with our thinking. The original hypothesis was that by using full handicap as opposed to using playoff the winner, we would put it on more fair holes. And the other key finding was that we needed to give the weaker player or the higher handicapper an extra half a stroke. Mm -hmm. What that extra half a stroke meant would be that if the two players tied a hole, the weaker player would win that hole on this one extra hole with the half a stroke. Mm -hmm. So they, to think about the two findings, by playing off full handicap versus playing off different differential, it removes the effects of holes quite a bit. But by adding extra half a stroke, it gets it to a fairness level. The half a stroke is needed for fairness, and the playing off full handicap takes out the effect of how the course ranks the holes, and it moves it to holes that will be more equal and make the game more balanced. And in general, those holes that you felt, or, or maybe the sample of holes that would make it more balanced, at least at Shaughnessy, were those holes a, mi a good mixture of par threes, par fives, and par fours? When we looked at what hole made the court, made the biggest difference, we had the first one was a par five, the second was a, a par four that for a good golfer would be they'd regularly par. A mediocre golfer or a higher handicapper might bogey or double bogey it. The next one was a par three. Uh, 
So they, they weren't holes you would have expected in advance, but it's a pretty good mix of the holes that discriminate between golfers is much different than the order. I don't know how any course would ever come up with this without doing the study. So we thought if we could remove that effect in advance by the, by doing something else, which in case was playing off full handicap, that balanced that out. Do you think that courses that would t- would take to this would find something similar that maybe they weren't exactly 100% accurate or as accurate as they could have been in what they've chosen as their most difficult and their easiest holes? I, I've talked to several golf of, um, researchers and other people who are in um, who are in the golf associations, and what they told me was that they're not supposed to be based on differences. They're based on uh, holes that would make the most difference between low handicappers and high handicappers, and we didn't find find that to be the case either. So it's not clear in general what the whole ranking should be. The only things we've found that are general principles are that the f- first nine gets handicaps one, three, five, seven, all the odd handicaps, and the second nine gets the even handicaps, and that par threes tend in, pra- tend in practice to be the rank the easiest. So those two design principles don't seem to really reflect difficulty or competitiveness or anything else. Yeah. Now, what, the third option towards making it very fair, making match play very fair that you talked about just briefly is giving an extra half stroke to the weaker player on one hole during an 18-hole match. Based off my reading of it, it brought the, the fairness about as close as you can get. Would you agree with that to, to becoming ultimately fair? Exactly. There were, there were two, again, there were two factors that came out of this. One is playing off full handicap removes the effect of hole ordering. And the other effect was adding the half stroke to the weaker player gives, uh, achieves fa- the 50-50 fairness. So we're really making the game, quote, fairer by doing that, we believe. And, the, and this was your partner, Mr. Chan, that, that had the idea of an extra half stroke. Is that right? Yeah, that was Tim's idea. Yeah. And being a golfer yourself, did you feel that that, that felt weird at all? I'm not certain on that. Um, most people, golfers we've talked to, didn't like that idea, but they liked the other idea. They liked the idea of playing a full handicap, but they think maybe giving a half a stroke is too much. But I don't know if anybody's aware of this 53%. So, uh, in fact, it, it if you really want to have a fair game when we go into it, you know, if we're betting a hundred bucks on a game, we want a fair game. And then uh, I think we really need the extra half a stroke there. Another part of the research, which we, which is, is much more complex is what we tried to say is suppose we allow different stroke allocations for different handicap differences. What would be the effect be? So and we came up with a different approach there that varied quite a bit, but we thought it was impractical to implement. It would it would need an app for a course, and I don't think people would believe in it. And this is what you called the the piecewise constant, if I remember correctly. That you take the differential between handicaps, and based off of that number, the weaker player is either going to get zero extra strokes, half of an extra stroke, or a full extra stroke over the course of eighteen holes. Yeah, what we found is zero differential for one to three handicap and 22 to 25 difference, but 
that's not too relevant, a half a stroke between 4 to 7 and 15 to 21, and one stroke for a differential of 8 to 14. Now, that's, so that's was, significant. So it was in the 8 to 14 range where we give them a full stroke. I have to imagine that there are a lot of matches that have maybe not maybe not the majority, definitely not the majority, but enough matches that are a difference of 8 to 12 to 14 strokes. That, that one seems like a significant amount, but you, you contend that uh, in your findings that that is what it makes sense to bring it to ultimate fairness. Well, this, this is based on doing the analysis of playing all these matches and seeing what actually occurred. Mm-hmm. And by playing these matches on the computer, what we've found is that this is what it was taking to get to a 50-50 because, the, because we still had the original shape that results were less, less fair in the 8 to 14 range. So giving this extra stroke flattened it out completely. What is your what is your pitch to someone uh, who feels like they want to make a really fair match, but they are a little bit hesitant because they've been doing it one way for so long? Well, I would start first by playing off full handicap instead of playing off the low handicapper. Almost everyone I've spoken to was happy with that. Nobody had any comment. The half stroke was something that people are less likely to accept. So what I would suggest is that people play matches, keep records, and see what happens. And if the better player is winning more often, then in fact what we would want to do is say, well, what could we do to adjust for that? And we might start with the half stroke. And maybe taking that piecewise constant factor into account, if the handicap fact difference is less than three, not in fact give, taking the half stroke. So if 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 you're one if if our difference is one two or three, let's just play off um, full handicaps. But if our difference is greater, let's take the half stroke. You got to forgive me because a lot of people will probably listen to this and think, "Holy cow, that is making match play even more difficult and even uh, more more uh, analytical than it than it needs to be." But I would contend that over eighteen holes you give really round numbers to the performance of two different players. Really round numbers being par four, par five, and you won that hole, I won that hole. And 18 doesn't, you know, 18 might not be the, the right number of, of holes if you are if you only have 18 mini, essentially hole-by-hole matches to really decide who was the better player that day. Do you, do you ever feel like golf doesn't, when you play a match that, 18 holes just you, there can be a, there can be a lot lost in the 18 holes that that doesn't that you don't see on the scorecard. Um, I, I think 18 is a good number because it, it does give you enough to balance it out, and you can if you can get behind, you can come back. I mean, there's going to be chance in any in any competition, and certainly match play is fairer than stroke play for the average club player because. As you know, if somebody gets a double or a triple, or they're pretty much out of a stroke play competition. But um, in match play, it's it's more forgiving. So 18 matches is certainly fairer than one match at mm-hmm. the extreme. So I, I think 18 isn't a bad number. I mean, there's certainly a 36 hole match would be fairer. But I mean, the more holes you play, the more you'd get to the, the true winning ability. 
but of course, players don't tend to play more than 18 hole matches anyway. What about the people who want to play nine hole matches? A lot of uh, clubs, they're going to have your member guest, all these various events that will take place over the course of two days, one day, and a long afternoon, and they incorporate almost exclusively sometimes nine hole matches. That could throw a tiny little wrench into your system here. Right, and, and, and it's even one of our favorite games to play is we call sixes. So if we play in a foursome, mm-hmm. what happens is we have a different teammate for each of the nine, or each of the six holes. So we rotate through the three different possibilities. So I play with each of the other players for a six-hole match. So which holes the strokes get allocated is going to make a difference. And even moreover is the question of do we play best ball, better ball, two ball? How do we go about doing that? And and we haven't really investigated those questions yet. But certainly full handicap should make the results fairer than playing off the low handicapper. But whether we play best ball or two ball, it's not it's not clear yet what's the best way to, to play that game to make it fair. Anyone who's very interested in this will be able to find it online eventually. It's a very good explanation that makes you take a different look at what match play really is. Is it is it completely fair? Am I playing it in the fairest way possible? Or am I giving my buddy, who's a six handicap, seven handicap, a better chance to beat me? We can leave it at that. Thank you for tuning in to the Golf.com podcast. And thank you to Martin Putterman for joining me and helping us all reach a more fairer form of match play. Personally, I've been doing it all wrong. And being the type of player that I am, probably losing a lot of matches and a lot of money to single-digit handicappers. If you'd like to read a summary of the results, head to golf.com right now. You'll find Mr. Putterman's summary right there, right next to this podcast. Lastly, if you like the podcast, let me know about it on Twitter at Sean underscore Zach. That's S-E-A-N underscore Z-A-K. If you hated the podcast, well, re-gift it to someone else. It's holiday season after all. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock.